Hey there, <laughs> welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stombaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, that is who we are in Him and who we are to Him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. Welcome back. We're on episode number 34 of Solomon of our podcast, Lakeside, but we're actually in the Song of Solomon. Solomon's Song is the book that we're going through. And if you do not have this book, I would highly recommend you can pick up your copy at on Amazon or at DanielStombaugh.com. And it's a breakdown, a day-by-day breakdown of the Song of Solomon. And so we're in chapter number three of a Song of Solomon in the Bible, and it's verse number seven through eight is what we're on. Chapter three, verses seven through eight. And and really what we're seeing is this cycle of communication, this communication, expression, and rest. It's a, it's like a perfect circle, and it's the ideal relationship that we have, and it's a, a perfect blend of communication, expression, and rest. And it's that, let me speak to you my heart, let me explain my heart, let me show you my heart, and then let's rest in the fact that we have this, and then we move right along again as we grow, and and seasons change in life, there's another circles, the wheel turns again, it's time for more communication, more expression, more rest. And so what we've just seen is, is Solomon is now has gone back with his bride to her house. And we looked at that in the last episode. And, and our current episode opens up in chapter 3, verse number 7 and 8. It says, uh, Behold, his bed, which is Solomon's, threescore valiant men are about it. Of the valiant of Israel, they all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man hath his sword upon his thigh because of the fear in the night. And I love this passage because um, I titled this episode, uh, the, the Darkness Changes Nothing. The Darkness Changes Nothing. And so you got, remember, each, this is a song, and so it had, contains lyrics, a melody, and a message. And if we look at the lyrics of the song, what we find out is this is the bride, and she's waking up in the bed of the king. And I imagine it's in the still of the night here when she speaks because she talks about the night, but she wakes up in the bed of the king. And she makes some observations of what she sees around her from the vantage point of the king. You know, the bride has her own chamber, and we said that was earlier in one of the earlier chapters about how we described that and what it would have looked like and uh, who had access to that chamber. And so but we find the bride in the king's room. She's in his bed, and she wakes up in his bed, and, and she just sits up in bed, I imagine. It's very still. It's very quiet in a massive bedroom. Uh, that's where the king-size bed you know, came from. But this massive bedroom, and she looks out through the sheer um, bed curtains that surrounded that bed, and she looks off into the bedroom of the king, and it's candles everywhere. It's lit up, and it's very... Um, very romantic looking uh, by appearance, but the candles also reveal something um, that, that maybe you couldn't have seen any other time at night. It reveals that there's men that are standing around the bed. They're, their backs are to the bed, but they're uh, completely surrounding that area where the bed would have been in that bedroom. Not just one guy or three guys, but 60. There are 60 trained assassins. The valiant men that Solomon would have carried with him were his own personal bodyguard, uh, secret service detail, if you will. It was 60 of these guys that were trained, and they stood in that room throughout that bedroom and throughout that bedroom complex, that suite. Uh, 60 men standing at attention while the king slept. 
And by, by sitting up in his bed, she looked out and she began to pick the shadows out uh, in that bedroom. And she could, could uh, um, associate each shadow with a, with a symbol of protection. There's one there, there's one there, there's one there, there's one there. And how they surrounded that bedroom and, and that perspective brought a new perspective on her own world. Solomon's bed is surrounded by 60 highly trained assassins, and while the darkness concealed the danger, and this is the, the men were not there for just because they were kind of wanting to be in the bedroom of the king. No, the men were there because of the danger that the night held. Because darkness contains danger. Darkness contains a level of danger partially and because we can't see it. It's, it's unobservable in the darkness. You have ninjas and they wear black and they sneak around in the dark. Why? Uh, because you can see them running across the yard, right? And so they, they will wait till the darkness comes and you see them flipping in and out of the shadows. And why is that? Because, man, the darkness is my concealer. The darkness holds me and it allows uh, me to move undetected and to move about my mission undetected. And so uh, if someone was going to take Solomon out, they'd have a better chance of doing this in the dark than they would in the daytime. And when he's surrounded by his palace staff and by the assassins and, and all the different people that were there to take care of him. And so and the darkness was their best chance and the darkness concealed dangers. And while the darkness concealed dangers, what the candles in that room uh, would illuminate on and what, the, what she was able to see is that while the darkness concealed danger, it also failed to reveal the reality of an overwhelming amount of personal protection. And she's sitting up in the bed and she looks out and she sees these, uh, these bodyguards there. And what it tells her is they're here because there's danger that has the uh, opportunity to take on and uh, form and take shape against us. And weapons can be formed against us here. But there's also the reality. The darkness hides the danger, but it also hides the reality that I am completely protected and that those weapons formed against me will not and cannot prosper. Man, God is your protection. The message of this, this passage here, the darkness changes nothing, the whole message of this is that God is your protection. And while the darkness may hold danger for you, it also conceals the reality of your protection. God sees the darkness as if it were the day. Man, David talks in the Psalms, he says, where would I go to get away from you? How can I hide from you? He said, I can, if I go to the depths of hell, and make my bed there, you're there. He said, your eyes behold the darkness as if they are the day. God invented night vision. <laughs> God's eyes are able to pierce even the darkest places and the darkest uh, areas of life and the times where you feel like you are the most uh, distant from God, you feel like he is observing you, you feel like you can, you've escaped his sight or you've escaped his attention and you feel like you're alone and you're surrounded and all around you is danger and you feel like you are uh, overwhelmed by that. Understand this, that while the darkness around you does contain an element of danger, it also contains the reality of your protection in that danger because God has you safe and God holds every detail of your future in his palm. I love Proverbs 16:9. It says a man can make his way. A man makes his plans, but God directs his steps. And you can plan all you want to. A man proposes and God disposes. <laughs> That's what I put down in my Bible. I wrote down, you know, we can propose something all we want to, but it's God that makes the ultimate determination of what our, what we do, what our feet happen. Let me just ask you a question as we think about this. What are the what what about the unknown brings fear? What about the unknown brings fear? We automatically equate it with loss, and that's why. Well, the unknown is, is what could happen. What could go wrong? What can God not see or take care of in regards 
to your unknown. When you think about what the unknown in your life and the unknown in your circumstances and situations, you say, well, Dan, there's a lot of, a lot of things that are in front of me that I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Well, neither do I. But God does. God does, and there's nothing that God does not see that he cannot take care of in regards to that unknown. You know, asking God for his guidance. We talk about asking God daily for his guidance. And really, you take that word guidance and you break it down. And you have the word dance. You have dance in the word guidance. And then you have those three little letters that are F, that are left over. <laughs> G-U-I, right? G-U-I, and then you have dance. And G-U-I is God, you, and I dance. When I ask God for his guidance, what I'm doing is I'm asking God, I'm telling him I want to dance with you. I want to do this dance of life with you. And as we move together, I mean, you ever watch um, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers is who I think of when I think of dancing. You watch Dancing with the Stars or whatnot and these different shows that, that feature people doing different dances. And it's amazing to me um, that as they dance, you see that there's one of two things. You see that there's one leader and one follower. And if you have two people trying to lead at the same time, it can look very much like a wrestling match. <laughs> and that's not always a bad thing, I guess. But, you know, the two people, you got to have one leader and one follower. When it comes time with God in this dance of life, it is a bad thing to have a wrestling match. So you let God lead and you follow. And that means when God steps, you step. When he moves, you move. And sometimes God may direct you. The leader may direct you to take a back step. And it's into an area that you can't see and it's unknown to you because all of a sudden you're just moving backwards and you're moving outside of your line of sight. And sight brings safety to us. Man, what I can see, if I can see it, then I can believe it. If I can see it, then I can embrace it. If I can see it, I can work with it. But it's that unseen thing. It's that unseen step that really always throws me, right? And so when God moves you backwards, when you watch these dancing with the star people, um, the leader will direct the person to take a gigantic step backwards or maybe multiple quick steps into the back, you know, back steps. And you have a choice. When you, when God asks you to take a back step into the unknown, you can either turn your head around and try your best to try to find it. And turning your head around, guess what happens? When you turn your head around and you try your best to see where that person is trying to lead you, all of a sudden the rhythm gets thrown off and the melody um, doesn't match up with the stepping and, and that dance looks looks awkward and it's shuffle. It's, it turns into a shuffle and not into a fluid dance, into a fluid movement where two people look like they're one person moving. It's that what happens is when you see that back step, when you, what you watch is that follower looks into the eyes of the leader and the eyes of the leader are looking at the follower. They're looking at um, the rhythm, the timing, the meter. They're keeping all of that in, in play in their mind, but the, the, the eyes of the leader are also looking into the area, unknown area that they're asking their follower to step into. So when it comes time, we're asking God's guidance. It's literally me and God, and we're dancing, or God and I, I should say, and God and I dancing together, and God says, okay, take a back step. And sometimes in life, God does have you take a back step, and it feels awkward. It feels uncomfortable. It feels like it's counterproductive to where it is that you feel like the dance should have been going in the first place. Man, the jumps and the twirls, you're like, yes, me and God are moving together. But then God throws it up, and he says, okay, back step. And you're like, what, back step? Whoa, 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 back step? Stop doing this for a minute? Wait, you want me to take a step backwards in, what, in my productivity and what I'm working on? Man, productivity. 
activity does not always mean growth. And sometimes God says, take a back step for just a moment. And it's in that back step that I learned to trust God. And when you watch these old dancing movies like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, what you see is this ultimate trust that's been built up that she has, Ginger Rogers has for Fred Astaire. So when he's dancing, he throws her, literally twirls her, and she's stepping backwards and jumping backwards and falling backwards. And he's catching her in the dips and he's doing all the different things. He's established trust. So when Paul, in the Bible, when Paul says, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What was Paul saying in that passage? Man, let's break that down. Paul, look at the tenses that are used. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. I presently know who I in the past have believed. And I'm persuaded, that's a present tense, that he is able to keep that which I've committed, that's a future tense. What Paul is saying, based upon everything that God has established with me in the past, I'm convinced in my present that whatever my future may hold, God has that secure. And there's a plan for that because looking back at the steps that I've taken with God, man, it's those back steps that I've taken with God that you look back and say, wow, God, had I not had that back step, I would not be able to trust you like I do now because I've seen you come through for me. I remember when we were working at the church as, as a full-time associate pastor at a church, that, that man, my, my income was dependent on that. And when God told me to move, when he said, okay, I, I'm ready for you to move. And I, when he introduced himself to me, and man, there's, I, I talked about that in previous episodes. But when I stepped out of that, I did not have a, a job per se to go to. I didn't have a, anything lined up. It's just like, okay, just step out into nothing. And one of the, uh, the, the men, that dear friend of mine that, that was in my Sunday school class that I taught, he owned a cabinet shop. And he said, would you like to come and build cabinets for me? And, and literally it was cash under the table and cash, you know, working for, and it was uh, no, no insurance, no benefits. And it was just a very scary time for a family of five uh, to exist on what we were bringing home, what I was bringing home. And it was just very difficult. And, and man, I remember during that time, there's a trusting season. And I come home some nights and there'd be a bag, a, a brown paper bag full of cash. It would be on my doorstep. I remember one night specifically, a truck pulls up, a pickup truck, and somebody that I had uh, been able to minister to when I was in the church, he pulled up and he said, hey, um, Brother Dan, I just wanted to tell you something. He said, I, you know, you helped me a lot with my marriage. He said, I was driving home from work and God just told me to stop and buy you some groceries. He said, I don't even know if you need them or not. They didn't know where I worked. They didn't know what I was doing. But he opens up that back door of his truck and it's just full of groceries. And I never told him. I couldn't tell him, man, I didn't have anything in here. There's nothing in the house. I got three kids, nothing in the house. And here you are bringing stuff. What was that? It was God moving on people's hearts. And he moved in certain ways. And it was during that time. And these stories are not just mine. You have these as well. Like times that God has taken care of you in the back steps of your life when you've taken a step back into the unknown, into the darkness that concealed danger for you. And that unknown was terrifying. But what you discovered was that that darkness, yes, it does contain danger. And yes, the darkness does contain an element of harm and hurt that would that would uh, destroy you if you let it. But the darkness also concealed from you and you were unable to see it. But once you stepped into the darkness, what you discovered was you were not alone in that darkness. You had God with you. The fourth man is like the son of God. He was in the fire. And when you step back into the unknown, that's when God steps up and he says, hey, I've been here all along. And guess what? You are protected because I see the darkness as the day. And there's nothing about this room that has changed. Man, my children, they get they get afraid sometimes at night. We have little night lights in the room. And my son said, dad, are you ever afraid of dark? And I said, not really. And he said, why not? I said, because it's the exact same as in the daytime. 
What? Yeah, the room is the exact same if you have the lights on as it is with all the lights off. It's the exact same. Oh. Man, God says, I look at I look at your life, Daniel. And you may feel like you're struggling. You may feel like you've taken to a back step of your life. But I have you. And so I need you to step boldly. I need you to be bold. I need you to be sure. I need you to trust me. I just need you to look in my eyes. If nothing else, God says, look in my eyes and let me focus on the area that you can't see. You just look on my eyes and and you just flow with me. And we're going to flow together. And this dance is not just going to be me and you. It's going to be one. And we're going to be moving together. John 17, the prayer Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, man, that I'm in them and they're in me and we're in you. It's like, we're all one. Like, God, man, I'm doing this so we can all become one together. And it's one spirit, man. I I want to become one with this. And when I move with God in the darkness, man, I can trust him with that. The darkness changes nothing. And I just want to encourage you, if you are listening to this particular episode and you are in a back step of life, maybe you are struggling because you are stepping into the unknown and maybe you feel like you are going through something that is, it seems like it's counterproductive. It, it doesn't fit with the big picture. In fact, it seems like it's, it's actually uh, going and undoing things that you're trying to work with. You're thinking, well, this doesn't Man, how is this even building something that's falling apart? If that's you and you're listening to this, let me just tell you. The darkness conceals dangers, but it also fails to reveal the reality of an overwhelming amount of personal protection. Man, get ready. You move with God. You get ready because God's going to show himself to you in a strong way. I firmly believe that. Step with him move with him. Let him take care of you. This has been episode number 34. Thank you for joining us here. If you've not read the Song of Solomon, you can get the Solomon Song book on Amazon. It's Solomon's Song, a 90-day devotional. Um, and you can find that on Amazon or you can find it on danielstombaugh.com. And we're also on iTunes and um, you can find these on Pod, Podbean. Click subscribe on the on the, the podcast. And uh, man, don't miss another one. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about the wedding day. And I can't wait to talk about that. It's going to be an awesome, awesome episode. Episode 35 is coming up and that is the wedding day. So stay tuned. You're going to have it. You're going to enjoy it. And I hope you have a fantastic day. I hope you have the greatest day of your life today. And make sure you give away your smile today because somebody is in desperate need of your source that you have. And your smile is the greatest way to give away your source. God bless you. And we'll see you next time.